All right, fourth string podcast back. It's a Sunday night. Today, it's the Big 12 preview. So I am stoked. Uh, joined by my co-host, as always, Ben King. How are you, Ben? CJ, I'm great, man. I am excited to go over the Big 12, not the Pac-12. Uh, and there should be about as good of teams in both conferences. So uh, Big 12, here we go. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you don't mind, Ben, check your mic, see if you can turn it up a little bit. I don't know if that's me. Um, it may be me. We didn't do a mic check beforehand. Normally we do a mic check. This is totally my bad. So we're going to fire our executive producer. That's me. <laughs> oh, I yeah. guess we'd have to hire a new one. That doesn't work either. Um, all right. So here's the thing. Uh, looking at the Big Ten, Ben, here are my thoughts. I think you have several, and I mean like several, really, really good teams. I could make big time arguments for them. I do not think you have a bad team, but I like even, I think you could even make an argument. Kansas is going to be improved this year. Um, no. Nah. Okay. Well, Ben apparently is not there, but I, I think Kansas will be, listen, Ben, they finished two and 10. They just have to go three and nine to be improved. No, nah, they, okay. I've got well, them ben, two and Ben's 10 again. Not high on Kansas. So they beat Texas last year. The one thing I will say, though, is lots of good teams. I don't think there is a great team right now. Like, I don't think there is a te- – I don't look at the Big 12 and think there is a team capable of getting to the playoff. Now, maybe that changes, but right now I just feel like it, this is a, a lot of good teams, no great team, and I don't think there is any clear-cut favorite to win the conference. You there, Ben, as well? Uh, you know what? Oklahoma's lost a ton of talent. And that's the only reason I don't have them as my strong favorite, but they're still the favorite. Uh, the coaching staff, the immense amount of talent behind the people that left. So you think, like, I mean, you think Venables, like you think he's going to work? Because I've got some reservations about him as a head coach. Well, the thing that I think is amazing is that Venables had 13 years under Bob Stoops. So he understands Oklahoma. And then he's brought in some incredible coordinators hold uh, on a second like ted roof because ted, ted roof, roof is the defensive coordinator ted roof won a national championship at auburn baby hold on ted roof didn't win crap ted roof happened <laughs> to be on a coaching staff that won a national championship ted roof did not win anything Let's he was part clear. of the all-star squad sure so we're we're gonna have to get to this later i don't know if this is just <laughs> This may just be, and I'll be completely honest, like very rarely Ben will tell you, typically I will put all bias aside. But after what Ted Roof did to Duke football, I will He's not never a good head coach. that man. He's a great, Anytime I see him on a coaching great staff, defensive coordinator. I grade them like way down. Like there's no <laughs> way. Well, get ready because uh, that bias is going to hurt you. Here's the other thing about Ted Roof, Ben. He was a graduate assistant at Clemson. Let me make sure I got that right. He was a graduate assistant at Clemson. Okay, hold on. Okay, I can't really see exactly what he was doing at Clemson. But he was not he was not like a defensive coordinator at Clemson, obviously. Like Venables brought him from the Clemson staff. I think he was just a graduate assistant. I just can't I don't can't remember where I saw that. Probably you can that up then. Venables brings him over. I think whenever you have a new head coach that takes over a program, like and they've been a coordinator for life. They we know they know the X's and O's. They maybe even know how to manage a roster. The difference is 
is they don't know how to manage their coaching room, right? Some pick it up quick. Kirby Smart, though, Kirby Smart took three years to figure out how to manage that. Remember his first year at Georgia? It was like, and he took over a talented team, and it was a complete mess because he couldn't figure out the coaching stuff. Talented, right? but undisciplined. I would well, say like, it's different at Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley did a good job. He, but none of his play, I mean, all of the players he recruited are gone. Not all of them, a lot. They still all the, have an, all the key players, all the key players. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. So you're bringing in a new head coach. You're Dylan Gabriel you're some talent is a transfers. solid quarterback. Jeff Levy has a relationship with Gabriel already. So you've got two guys right there that, you know, offensive package replacing right. key players. It's happening. No, J- Jeff Levy is the one reason why I think Oklahoma is going to win a bunch of games. I don't have, weirdly enough, with Venables as the head coach, I actually don't have a lot of questions about the offense. I think the offense is going to have some rhythm, especially in this conference. I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people talking about Dylan Gable potentially being the best quarterback in the conference. I still think that title belongs to Spencer Sanders, which we'll get to later. Um, but I think Gabriel's good. I think his tie with Jeff Lebby could be good. And we know what Jeff Lebby did with Matt Corral. So like the offense, I think is actually going to be intact. It's going to be capable. My question is going to come down to the defense. What are we getting there? And my other question is also going to come down to key moments in games. Cause that's where it comes down to your head coach. And like, if you look at the rest of this conference, I would trust Baylor. I would trust Iowa state. I would even trust Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, which I know they had a bad year last year, but Sarkeesian has been a head coach for a while. So I trust all of those guys in key moments in big games over a person who's been a coordinator for years and years and years. It's one year a while. It's his second year as a head coach. No, Steve Sarkeesian was, was a head coach at USC. Okay, okay, I see. So head coach at USC for a year and head coach at Washington for a few years. So, gotcha. Yeah. And, I mean, he's Washington, he was successful. USC was successful. The guy's been successful everywhere he's gone. I mean, it's USC kind of had a weird ending to it for sure. But yeah. he's won games everywhere is my point. So, like. Well, Venables under a head coach has had some incredible programs and even more incredible defenses. So I don't think he's going to, it's going to take him as long to really get up to speed as some are saying. And he's, we'll, we'll uh, see. he's assembled we're an get incredible staff. Here in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're getting to Oklahoma here in a little bit. I can already tell you Ben and I have some pretty hot takes on them, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I do think um, I'm not Oklahoma fan either. I hate Oklahoma, but I just, well, no, this is like, listen, on the list of teams Ben hates, Tech is number one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Alabama would be number two. Oklahoma's number two? Yeah. <laughs> and Alabama's number three? There we go. <laughs> wow. Well, this is news to me, so I did not know this. That I mean, Ben, you're an Auburn fan. How can yeah. you hate Oklahoma more than Alabama? Like, I get the Virginia Tech stuff. You grew up in Virginia – like tech fans are relentless. Like I like Virginia Tech, but I understand the hate. In two thousand four, Bob Stoops in Oklahoma kept voting Auburn into the top twenties when we were undefeated, 
so that they would not get that coach's poll portion of the BCS and kept us out of the national championship game. Then Oklahoma lost the Big 12 championship game and got destroyed by USC, and we never had a chance. We had to beat Virginia Tech, which we had no problem doing. We played prevent the entire fourth quarter. Love how you like to slide that in there. Now that was the that was the Jason <laughs> Campbell year, right? Yeah, Jason Campbell, Ronnie Brown, Cadillac Williams. No, that team we has four. Stop. I would four not, first round picks. All right, I want you to soften up on Oklahoma here a little bit because here's the thing. All right, the way the rules were made, why would you blame Bob Stoops at all? I'd understand being mad at the NCAA, and why do you have a stupid system in which coaches? can impact who gets into the playoff. Like, that's dumb. Why are you letting coaches vote on this? Because, of course, if they have a vote, that's what they should do. My question would be is why didn't Auburn do the same to Oklahoma? Should have. Should that's have. because Tubbs, Tubbs isn't a uh, – I don't know. He's he's not a – he's not an the same type man. of man. I love Not the same that. type of man as uh, – Stoops. Yeah. No. As, as Bobby Stoops. Listen. I mean, if you think of Oklahoma football, it's like the Catholic Church and the Pope, and Bob Stoops is the Pope. <laughs> so regardless of if he's that's there or not, he's still That's going to be the tag for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> when, this goes, when this goes to Spotify and iTunes, that will be the tag. Like, no description. It's just going to be that. That's the best quote we've had on this podcast yet. Um, all right. We've spent 10 minutes talking about Oklahoma. Let's actually talk about the rest of so the big 12. So, all right, we're going to first through, just like we did last week, we're going to go through our top 10 and I yep. want Ben to go first so he can react crazily to my top 10. Cause I'm telling you right now, my top 10, it's, it's insane for this conference. So Love ben, get, give me your finish on the big 12. All right. So uh, number one, I have Oklahoma. Number two, Oklahoma state. Number three, Baylor. Number four, Texas. Number five, West Virginia Mountaineers. Ooh, I like that one. Number six, Iowa State. Okay. Number seven, Kansas State. Uh, number eight, TCU. Number nine, Texas Tech. And number 11, Kansas. Okay. We're really close. Because there is no number 10. They're so bad, they get to be number 11. <laughs> okay. Two and 10 best. Best case scenario for Kansas. So, I actually, but mine's not too far off of yours. Um, except I'm going to talk about Kansas here in a second. You're going to love my number one, though. Um, my number one is actually Texas. I think oh. they won the Big Twelve this year. Really? I think, Te I think Texas is back. I got to tell you, and I went Dijon's, back and forth. Awesome. I went back and forth on this a lot. I do not think one through four. I think there's like no separation. Like if mm -hmm. you told me Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Baylor won this conference, like I'm not giving you any pushback with that at all. So like I don't like Oklahoma as much as Ben does, but like literally when I put these teams' records together, I had Texas winning ten, I had the other three winning nine. So like, I, it, it, and I mean, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, they have that neutral site game, which is like one of the most unpredictable games every year, no matter the records, right? Like how mm -hmm. many times have we seen playoff potential Oklahoma go in there and get beat by a Texas team that wins like five or six games, right? Happens all the time. Um, now, second, I do have Oklahoma. 
So, like, my rankings are extremely dependent on Texas winning that neutral site game in Dallas. Third, I've got Oklahoma State. I think the defense is going to take a step back this year. I don't think there's any question about it. You lose a super talented coordinator like Jim Knowles. I, I know they're bringing in Derek Mason. I, I think there's an adjustment. Number four, I've got Baylor. Now, I really liked Baylor when we did our um, season preview show a few weeks ago. But, Ben, the more I dug into this team, I just feel like they're losing a lot of talent from last year's squad. They're going to be really good. But, like, let's not forget last year's squad had a bunch of really close wins, right? And they played all their tough games at home. This year it's the complete opposite. They got to make a bunch of road trips. I think for a team that overperformed last year and loses guys to ask them to duplicate what they did a year ago, I think that's really tough. So I've got Baylor at four. Um, Iowa State I've got at fifth, um, though I love Ben's pick of West Virginia sitting at five. I, I love that. Kansas State I put in at sixth. So, I, I again, I think five through seven, Ben, like you and I, one through four were the same, five through seven were the same, eight through ten, like it's the same, same, but just a slightly different order. So I've got Kansas yep. State at six. I've got West Virginia at seven. I think they are going to be a really fun team. By the way, one through seven, all of those teams are in bowl games. Starting at eight is where I think it gets dicey. I've got TCU there. Um, I've got Kansas at number nine. So I think they're going to finish ninth. Texas Tech, we'll dive into this later. I've got them last. The biggest reason is I don't know what in the heck they're doing with their head coach. They were 5-3 and three last year. 5-3, and three, lost to Kansas State by a point, and fired Matt Wells. Do not get it whatsoever. And I think the more I look at it, I feel like Matt Wells was just overperforming at a program that's honestly not really good. Um, and then their new athletic director – he said he wants Texas Tech to go back to being like an air raid team like they were before. Well, mm. that would be fine if they had a good quarterback, but they don't. So you're going to throw the ball 50 to 60 times with below average quarterback play. Like, I mean, in Tyler show, he's the quarterback there, right? He transferred from Oregon. Tyler shows not an air it out guy. He's an RPO guy. So I, I don't see how any of that works, but we'll dive into it. So, um, Let's go team by team. I'm going to put the schedule up there. Let's talk about Oklahoma first. So, Ben, you looked at Oklahoma. Give me your thoughts on them. Yeah, so Oklahoma, I only have three games that are toss-ups, and the rest are wins. Okay, so, so which, which ones do you have as toss-ups? Yeah, I have Texas as a toss-up because, as we know, every single year that's one of the craziest games. Right. And Texas, depending on what happens to them the game prior – may be really pissed off and ready to go or may kind of slog into this. So we'll have to see uh, Texas the week before takes on is that the West Virginia game. I think that one may be a sleeper there. Yeah. They take on the West Virginia game, which uh, yeah. I think West Virginia is going to be way above expectations this year. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, so the Texas game is a toss up there. Oklahoma should win it, but we'll have to see then Baylor and Oklahoma state. Okay. The rest are all wins. No one else has a chance. No one else has a chance. I'm Nebraska is going to get crushed. I'm going to give you one team a little so. bit that I think has a chance. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that in a second. Um, I, when you look at this roster, so I mean, I know about Dylan Gabriel. Was there anything yep. else when you looked at this roster that you thought was a strong point or a weak point? 
I mean, solid wide receiver core. I think it's funny that Drake Stoops is on this team. Uh, like I said, Bobby is not far. The the Pope of Oklahoma football. Uh, <clears throat> overall, they're returning, you know, five on offense, five on defense. So not the strongest returning class, but right. that's because a ton were taken to USC. So I'm not going to yeah. slide them for that. And because of the way that Oklahoma recruits, it's next man up and Lincoln Riley, you know, he stole a lot of the people that he brought there, which was fine. I mean, he, he made the relationships with them, which makes sense. However, there's still a ton of players at Oklahoma that are going to be dominant. So I'm not too worried about the returning starters. Lots they, of, they, lots of next men up there. They definitely have a lot of talent. I think Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy is really interesting. Here's going to be my concern Dylan Gabriel, A, can he stay healthy, right? I do yep. think that's a concern. I think if he can, I think regardless of if he's playing at 80% or 100%, I still think they're going to be really strong at the quarterback position because I think Jeff Lebby is a quarterback guru. Like to me, Jeff Lebby is Lane Kiffin, um, Lincoln Riley, like 10, 15 years ago. Like he's the next great one kind of just sit, sitting there and waiting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I yep. like Jeff Libby a lot. I think the offense will be okay because of that. Um, I do not trust Ted Roof. Like, legitimately, I know there may be bias. I don't trust that at all. I feel like when you're bringing in a graduate assistant from your previous school who has a bad track record, it tells me you did that not based on the merit, but based more on the relationship. That's where I think a lot of these head coaches, they make some dangerous mistakes. Now, that may be okay for, you know, Venables kind of transitioning into the head coaching role. They have somebody he can just pick brain or, you know, just kind of, you know, pick his brain a little bit. But I, I don't like it at all. Um, the other thing is you look at this defense, the defensive line is going to be really weak. Their strong suit's going to be at linebacker and defensive back. Now, the one thing I will say, and maybe the saving grace on defense for this team, Venables blitzes and he's relentless with it. So when we think about the defensive line and we think about this pass rush, maybe it's not that big of a loss considering how much Venables is going to blitz. And I think that's going to be really interesting for some of these coordinators coming in is having to deal with planning for Venables blitzes. But again, I, I struggle with Ted Roof being there. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, and I think a first-year head coach is going to struggle in some of these bigger games. So when I look at the schedule – all right, uh, UTEP, Kent State, those are both wins. Now, September 17th, they travel to Nebraska. I marked that a win. But, Ben, I think that is a really sneaky game because Nebraska should be one of the most improved teams in the country this year. When we do the Big Ten in a couple weeks, I think people are going to be shocked with how high I have them finishing in the West. I think they could legitimately be in the Big Ten title game. Okay, They're going to get crushed by um, Oklahoma. What's that? I completely, I completely agree. One of the most improved Big Ten teams, Oklahoma will destroy them. Oklahoma should destroy them. But here's the thing: Oklahoma maybe hasn't quite figured out the offensive thing yet because it's so early on in the year. In Nebraska, it's like I always say: when you're a mediocre or average team, you don't know it in week two or week three. It you don't know that until about week five or six, right? This is also in Nebraska, and we know even Nebraska's spring game gets 100,000 people there. So the stadium's going to be packed. It's a big rivalry game. If Scott Frost beats Oklahoma, 
but win six or seven games at Nebraska, he will keep his job safe. So he's got that game. I think he's got that game circled. Again, I've got Oklahoma winning it. I think it's a lock, but I think it's a sneaky good game. Um, The other games I've got in here too, Texas, I think is a toss-up, just like Ben said. And the other toss-up, and I think it's more because of timing, but I'm actually going to go with Iowa State. Here's a couple of reasons for it. So one, Matt Campbell, I trust him as a head coach over Brent Venables. The other thing is, Iowa State brings back not just Matt Campbell, but both of their coordinators. Meaning in some of these games where you've got a new coaching staff versus an experienced coaching staff, I think that's a huge edge to Iowa State. Now you could say Oklahoma gets a bye week, but Iowa State also gets a bye week, right? And if I'm giving one team the edge from a bye week, it's going to be the team with the head coach that I know takes advantage of bye weeks, which Matt Campbell does. Also, Iowa State's going to be coming off of Kansas, Kansas State, and Texas. They could roll into that game literally like two and four or three and three, really in need of a win, having an entire extra week to rest, prepare, think about Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, meanwhile, could roll into that game six and one. And then after Iowa State, that's when their schedule gets tough. They've got Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. They aren't going to, I think, be looking at Iowa State as this is the big game to prepare for. So I marked it as a toss-up. I definitely think it would lean Oklahoma. But that's one of those that it would not shock me if we wake up and it's a 24-21 Iowa State win on Sunday morning. So that's, that's, a, that's another toss-up. That's a Thursday night game. Yes, it so, is. So, I mean. Oh, so Friday morning. Yeah, that, that'll, be, that'll be weird. But I don't think they're going to sleep on them. No. And one thing. One thing on Ted Roof, it's a and work I'll night, drop it. Man. Some of us have to make money. Well, no, no, we we will sleep on it. I don't think that Venables is going to sleep on Iowa State. I'm probably not going to watch that game. I'll be honest. Uh, look, Ted Roof is not the greatest defensive coordinator of all time. In fact, looking back at Auburn's 2010 schedule, no team except for ULM scored less than 14 points on Auburn that year. We just had an incredible offense. But Venables is a defensive coordinator who is now a head coach. Do you think he's really going to just let Ted Roof run the thing and not have any input? No. Venables is going to be all over that defense. And this is a defense that struggled against the run and the pass last year. I expect them to be extremely improved on both. I expect them to be aggressive. And I expect them to have the same type of tenacity that now Baylor has. Yeah. No, it's fair. All right. So speaking of Baylor, let's move over to them because the one promise is tonight we're not going to go two hours. Um, <laughs> there I we think go. Both of us owe it to our wives to not go two hours tonight like we did last time. Though, yep. man, I had a blast last time. So let's be clear. That was a ton of fun. All right. Um, here are my thoughts on Baylor. One, Abram Smith, he's now gone. They converted him from a linebacker to running back last year. He had, I think, 1,600 rushing yards. I think he set the Baylor record. Anybody understand how ridiculous 1,600 rushing yards is in a college season? That is insane. So they've lost him, and they lost Tristan Ebner. So I think running back position, which is really what Dave Aranda has leaned on there, losing that I think really, really hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Blake Chapman comes back, and he's supposed to be really good. But, Ben, if you look at the quarterbacks in the Big 12, 
he might be like the fifth best quarterback in the conference. So if like that's what you're leaning on, and that's the average, like, and that's average for the conference. I don't know that I really like that. So the offense for me is a big question mark. The defensive line, though, is absolutely insane. This is maybe the best D line in all of college football. And I'm going to mess up his name, but Sakaya Ika, he's a projected first round pick sitting there. He could go as high as the top 10. He's really, really good. They've got lots of losses in their back seven. So linebacker, defensive back. Those are going to be some concerns, but this defensive line is going to win some games for them. I trust Dave Aranda. And one thing to keep in mind here, although they're losing a lot of players, the head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator return, they are one of four teams in the Big 12 that brings back all of the three main coaches. The other teams that do that are Texas, Iowa State, and Kansas. Okay. So I think that's a big edge also for Baylor. So lots of question marks on this roster for sure, but you've got some stud talent in the, the coaching here, I think is what gives Baylor a big edge on a lot of their games. So I think they're going to be right in the thick of it. I put them fourth in the Big 12. You look at this uh, schedule, Ben. Um, I marked BYU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Oklahoma as toss-ups. They're going to end the year going to Texas – I think that's a loss. Um, the other thing is, is that Oklahoma State game that they get, it's at home. So a lot of Baylor fans are excited about it, but Oklahoma State's going to be coming off a bye. Baylor, meanwhile, is coming back from a trip to Iowa State. So even if they win that game, which I think they will, that's going to be a physical game. It's not going to be, you know, they beat Iowa State by like 30 points. It's going to be a physical game. Then they come back to play a well-rested Oklahoma State team. That's a tough home game. Just because you're getting them at home is not a guaranteed W, in my opinion. So I think Baylor's really good. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, in Dave Aranda's third year here, I think this really is where his recruits start to shine. And that's where, you know, maybe not necessarily having uh, 15 players returning will be okay. They do have 12 players returning, which is not bad. Uh, six on offense, six on defense. So it's not the key areas, as you stated. Uh, lots of key positions to fill. But a lot of these players are now Dave Aranda's players and his consistent coordinator's players. So I have them, worst case scenario, seven and five. And uh, I have the five toss-ups. They may be the same as yours. BYU, Oklahoma State, at West Virginia, both are coming off a bye on a Thursday. And then at Oklahoma and at Texas, both toss-ups there. Interesting, we both think the BYU game is a toss-up. I think BYU is a brutal game to get on the schedule. Oh, um, yeah, early on like that, the second game. So here's yeah. the thing is, yeah, Dave Aranda and company are very physical. They're the most physical team in the Big 12 right now. Granted, I think others are going to become more so this year. However, BYU is electric. And, and they've got a they have a great home field advantage. Passing. Yeah. Home field advantage and passing game. And Dave Aranda's team is great against the run. I mean, I don't know how many teams they've had to play traditional Big 12 football against because it the Big 12 isn't like it used to be. It's not it's, all air raid pa- offenses all the time. No, it's actually becoming quite a good defensive conference. Um and yeah. now that you had Venables in with Oklahoma. It's going to be even more more of that, but yep. yeah, I mean, if I said you know air raid teams in the Big Twelve, like West Virginia definitely is. 
Um, Kansas State, I think, will be this year. And then I guess you – I mean, well, no, Oklahoma State likes to run RPO. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, there, there's only, only two, maybe three teams in the Big 12 that still run that air raid. It's really become quite a good defensive conference. Yeah. So, and then West Virginia, they've run it, but they haven't had a lot of talent here recently. They've got some good talent this year. Yeah. But, yeah, it's – that'll be an interesting game for sure. I think Baylor could come out – as a favorite in the big 12. I mean, I have them at third and then lose a drop, drop a game to BYU. It's very possible. I just think it's so tough. You're going to get Texas and Oklahoma both on the road. And then you get like West Virginia, I think is that team Ben. when I looked at them, that's the team you don't want to like, if you get them at home, like you're okay. But if you have to go to Morgantown and play, that's where I think it's going to be really tough. Like I could see West Virginia winning like seven games but then five of them being games at home, right? Like, I think they're going to be a really, really good home team this year. Um, So I think those are three really, really rough games. And then you get BYU thrown in there as well. It it makes it really tough. I mean, Baylor's a really good team. Maybe they only win eight games this year. Um, All right, let's go over to Oklahoma State. Uh, Ben, Spencer Sanders, amazing, right? Question marks, big question marks at running back and receiver. I think because of the RPO that Gundy likes to run, and I think because Spencer Sanders is so good at that, the running backs don't concern me as much. But more and more, I think you have to have really good and elite receivers to be able to win. So that is a little bit of a concern for me. Um, the other well, thing is they, the they offensive lost their line. Top receiver What's and that? they lost their top receiver in Tay Martin, but they still have the, the four behind. So the so. four behind, but they lost their top one. And none of these guys, by the way, are like, by the way, Oklahoma's amazing. Like or Oklahoma state rather, they're always competitive. But if you look at the recruiting classes, I don't think they've had one recruiting class, like over 40 in the past, like six or seven years. Like yep. literally it's a bunch of crappy recruiting classes and they just keep winning. But I mean, nevertheless, these receivers, I think all of them are three stars or less. Um, The offensive line though is really good. So you get Spencer Sanders running quarterback, plus this really good offensive line. I think the running game is going to be okay. I just don't know if they can pass Um, defensive line, Colin Oliver, Brock Martin. That's the best one, two punch I think in the big 12. So I think the defensive line is going to be really good. Not quite as good as Baylor, but up there. Um, And then Jim Knowles, he leaves. That's a big, big question mark for Oklahoma State. So I know they bring in Derek Mason, but I've got Jim Knowles graded as the best defensive coordinator in the country, especially with Venables no longer being a defensive coordinator. So I think the fact that they lose him, it's really, really tough to figure that out. And they only have four returning starters on the defensive side as well. So that's the big question mark for this team. Yep. So I think Derek Mason is kind of a game changer there. And if well, you, you look like back... Because he's got Auburn experience, right? And he was really good at Auburn, like national championship year, right? Derek Mason? No, that was Ted Roof national yeah. championship year. Derek Mason was last year. And Auburn went toe-to-toe with Alabama into four overtimes with a backup quarterback who had a bum leg because Derek Mason's defense held the line. 
So to say that replacing Derek Mason took a pay cut to come and coach at Oklahoma State. So I think it says more about Auburn than it does Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you, Penn. But... Look, I've, I've got Oklahoma State as my number two team in the Big 12, and I have them, worst case scenario, eight and four. Uh, the only toss-up games are at Baylor, uh, home against Texas, at Oklahoma, and home against West Virginia. Uh, really pretty consistent for me in my toss-ups for the top five. But I'm right there with you. Look, QB, Spencer Sanders, maybe the best quarterback that we have, except for maybe what's going on in West Virginia. And uh, I think as far as a offensive group, seven returning starters with a lot of good wide receivers, solid quarterback is going to be very beneficial. And then on the defensive side, I don't think Derek Mason is going to miss a beat. So I think Oklahoma will be the second best team in the Big 12. Yeah, no, I think they're going to be Oklahoma really State. good. I, I do not have them as the second best. And I know you like Derek Mason, but I think when you're bringing in a new scheme like that and you only have four starters coming back, it's really tough to implement that scheme. And it's also tough, too, to figure out who do, what players do you need to be able to run that new scheme. Now, when I look at the schedule, I've got Baylor marked as a toss-up, Texas as a toss-up, Oklahoma as a toss-up. I don't think any of those are losses, but – Baylor and Oklahoma are both on the road. Now, I've got one other toss-up, Ben. You're going to like this one. West Virginia? I actually marked – what's that? West Virginia? No, not West Virginia. But I marked TCU as a toss-up. Oh, uh, you would. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> no, listen. Like, when I look at TCU – um, and I don't know if my dad's watching, but dad, you've called me like six times since I've been doing this. I hope everything's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, when I look at Oklahoma state schedule, they, they're going to get a bye week then go at Baylor home against Texas tech and then at TCU. So Ben, you, I think they could blow out. I think they could blow out Texas tech. They go to TCU who just before that is going to get SMU, Oklahoma and Kansas, by the way. Um, and I like Sonny Dykes a lot. So I just think this is a spot when you look at TCU's roster, which I think is actually going to be decent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think TCU could just barely upset them at home. And Oklahoma, after TCU gets Texas at home, I think they could be looking ahead to that Texas game. They're going to get Kansas State on the road right after that. It's just tough enough to where I think TCU, because they're getting them at home, could pull off a massive upset. So that was the other one I marked as a toss-up. I still think Oklahoma State wins nine games. It's a good team, a really good team. I mean, Ben, do you have them winning more than nine? Who's that, Oklahoma State? Yeah. Yeah, I've got worst-case scenario eight and four. Okay, so we're right there. Like, yeah, you've got yeah. a worst-case scenario eight and four. I've got them nine and three. It's not like we disagree heavily. So um, I disagree with the TCU pick, though. So in the past, you picked – TCU in these random games because of Gary Patterson. And so <laughs> Sonny Dykes, though. I like Sonny so Dykes more than you, Gary Patterson. <laughs> what? It's his first year. You're all the time crapping on coaches in their first year at programs, and yet Sonny Dykes is apparently, you know, the exception. Okay. No, 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 no. I've got TCU winning four games. 
Okay. <laughs> you just think one of them is against Oklahoma State? Sure. Exactly. Well, no, I think one could be. <laughs> okay. It's put words in my mouth. No, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think a first-year head coach who's really talented, has a proven year, has a proven history of success. By the way, Sandy Dykes has been a head coach before. He was at Cal. No, he got fired from that. But he was great at Southern Methodist, and he was great at Louisiana Tech. And I mean great. Took two programs that were crappy before – took them and made them into really competitive teams. Now the question is going to be, and this is kind of my note on them later, is he really good and Cal's really that bad? Or is he just a really good group of five head coach? That I don't know. But I think he's a good enough coach to, he's got such a tenured history and he's going to want to look to with a first year team say, can we have one win to just hang our hat on? And Oklahoma State is just weak enough to where TCU could beat them, and TCU gets them at home at a really interesting time in the year. That's the only reason I marked it as a toss-up. I think if they played Ben, I think if this game were in Oklahoma State, Cowboys would win it by like 30 points. But I think think that one is just close enough to be a toss-up. All right, let's go over to the next team because we're already on like 40 minutes, and uh, I promise – we're not we're, going two hours tonight. We're in. Um, there we go. <laughs> not doing it. All right. All right. Let's talk about Texas. My Big Twelve champ. Long only because baby. only because Alabama's. Uh, so this is a penalty, right? What is it? The long Longhorns down. You can't see it. Yeah, this is a penalty. There I don't understand that. By the way, like, that's so stupid. It is stupid. You can't I, have a fake background and try to do Longhorns. That's not going to work. I, no, that was on purpose, see? Because now I don't get penalized. You can't see it. It's only like halfway there. So, uh, look, Sarkeesian's awesome. Uh, Quint Errors has never thrown a pass in college football. He was redshirted the entire first year over at Ohio State. Don't understand why he went to Ohio State. He was Texas's like, number one recruit. Uh, out of the state in high school, went he up was there. the number one recruit in the country, by the way, that year. No, no, I didn't realize that, but he was from Texas and he went. Yeah. He was the golden boy from Texas and he went to Ohio State and rode the bench. And Texas so. didn't have Sarkeesian yet. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah. but Texas also has a uh, incredible player coming in, um, with the last name of Manning. So we'll see what happens to this kid after a year or two. However, him going to Ohio State is part of the reason why Texas fired Tom Harmon. Oh, really? Well, that makes sense. They should have. uh, Because he should have come to Texas immediately and been their starter. Yeah. Uh, But that's fine. He's back. And Bijan Robinson is incredible. So that one-two punch there is going to be lights out. Uh, I am circling the September 10th uh, game when Alabama faces Texas because, look, Texas doesn't have a good track record with the SEC having lost to Arkansas last year. Uh, Texas is coming to the SEC in a few years. Sarkeesian coached Alabama. All the storylines are coming there. Uh, Texas will probably get beat by 30 points. Uh, It'll be a fun game. Uh, And that's when Alabama wins. Typically not a fun game for me, but I think it would be pretty funny here. Uh, besides that, though, you're right. I've got a handful of toss-ups for Texas along with the rest of my top five. Uh, I've got them solid at number four. 
And depending on kind of how things play out, the toss-ups are West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor to end the season. So yeah. there's a good chance for Texas. I think they don't win most of those. Uh, however, we'll see what Sarkeesian does in his second year. Here's the interesting thing about this team. So when I look at Texas, I'm going to give you my the reason why I think they win the Big 12, and I'm going backwards. You have to look at the schedule first. They have one road game, true road game, from the start of the season up until October 22nd. That's it. One true road game, and that road game is at Texas Tech. Okay, So Oklahoma is always the neutral site game. It's always the Texas State Fair. And then mm-hmm. their next road game isn't until October 22nd. They're at Oklahoma State. By the That's way, that true. Texas State Fair, it's always about 55% Texas fans. Okay. So the reality is, is they're going to have a home field advantage in every game but Texas Tech. And I would argue, what's Texas Tech's real home field advantage, right? So I think there is a huge potential for Texas to get off on this like 7-0 and start. In, well, not 7-0 and because they're going to play Alabama, so that's a loss. But like six and one start, right? Yep. And I mean, well, maybe even Alabama because I mean, Texas. This is the most talented team Texas has had in years. I mean, years. Like this team is talented across the board, especially on the offensive side. I mean, I think they'll put up points on Alabama. So I mean, maybe even that's an interesting game. I'm gonna get as a loss, but if Texas beats Oklahoma, I'm gonna tweet out hook 'em horns. Oh, heck yeah. We have to. But, that would you know, be incredible. But they could go into that Oklahoma State game literally like six and one. And mm-hmm. then their next buy or the next road games happen after a bye week. So they get a bye week before they go at Kansas State. That's a tough road game. And then they're going to get TCU and at Kansas. So literally, here's the road games at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, at Kansas. I would make the argument they should, and I'm going to talk about a unique one here in a little bit, they should win all of those, right? So I, I think their schedule is extremely favorable to be 10-2, and two, maybe even 11-1, and one, and in that playoff potential, that playoff hunt, is kind of like the 6th or 7th team in the country. Um, now, now here's the thing about the schedule. So Quinn Ewers, I love the kid. I think this is going to be the standout quarterback of the year. I think he's going to be the kid that nobody's talking about right now. At the end of the year, we're like potential Heisman candidates. So I think we've got to watch him closely. Um, They also have their top two uh, receivers come back from last year, and they bring in Jahil Billingsley from Alabama at tight end. So like that offensive crew, like dynamic across the board, really good. They're running – back also a transfer from Alabama so he's really good too now their defense is experienced I I don't know necessarily I would say it's as talented to say a Baylor or an Oklahoma State but very experienced my biggest question mark with this team is Gary Patterson is on the coaching staff now and Ben alluded to earlier I like Gary Patterson and I do a lot but I don't understand why they bring him into this coaching staff unless there's two thoughts. One is if the defense is really bad, they could put him in at defensive coordinator. And maybe they are thinking that. But the other thing, and this is a little bit more worrisome, and this is kind of why, as much as I like Texas, I've got some reserves about them. 
Ben, do you think Texas went and hired Gary Patterson? Kind of because there were all these questions about Sarkeesian last year. Like they went five and seven, fan base wanted them gone. Did they bring in Gary Patterson in case this thing just goes down the toilet quick? Maybe they get off to like a two and two start, two and three start, or something like that. And they bring in Patterson as an interim head coach for one year because he's already on the staff. To me, that's what I, that's what I'm looking at. And so if that's what Sarkeesian is feeling, then it's going to go downhill because there's just way too much pressure on him. I don't know if that's the case. I think he's a really smart guy to have in the room otherwise. But I just feel like it's interesting that of all the guys they could bring in to be like that special advisor, which we've seen before, why Gary Patterson? You know what I mean? The man retired. What's that? The man retired, and it's not an intensive job. So it's either he sits at home and watches college football on the weekends or he comes into the office and tells them, you know, some of the stuff that's worked for him in his twenty oh, something years of coaching. I so. I don't question him taking the job. I question why did Texas feel the need to bring him in to the staffing room? Well, because he like, was open. I mean I you've mean, got Yeah, you've got a, a great coach here who just retired. Yeah. And you have the option of bringing in his expertise for I will say this. things. It's it is very Saban esque because Saban does this stuff all the time at Alabama. Yeah. He'll bring in like exactly. somebody really smart who's kind of like you know that former head coach. Bring him in just to be like that special advisor. So I get mm-hmm. that. I just wonder with all the questions that were there with Sarkeesian last year, do they get into a position where maybe they're going into the West Virginia game and Gary Patterson saying, "Hey, do this," and Sarkeesian's like, "I'm the head coach." and Everything just kind of falls apart. Like that was my only question with this team. But I, Ben, I love this roster. I think Texas is worst case scenario an eight win team. I think best case scenario they're going to be 10, 11 wins, potentially in the playoff. Little, little bit of reserves in that. Um, and I think the Bama game, although I think Bama wins it, I think it's really interesting as Texas gets it at home. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Alabama will crush Texas. It is early on. And people may be calling for Sarkeesian's head then. But I I agree. Well, I think Texas is going to be much improved. Texas could be a really good team, get smoked by Alabama, because I think Alabama's the number one, number two team. But then mm-hmm. what if they get smoked by Alabama and it's a really good team and all of a sudden people are calling for Sarkeesian to go? I mean, they- probably going to happen. Uh, I mean, like, I don't- Oklahoma booed one of the best quarterbacks in the nation last year. Would Texas and then another Sarkeesian, one came in, no. though, because Sarkeesian. Well, I mean, Sarkeesian landed Arch Manning, so I mean, te- exactly. Texas, there's no way Texas fires him after week two. Mm-mm. No, no. He, I don't think he's even on the hot seat right now. He's building a program. Texas I think hasn't fans been want him on the hot seat. Yeah, well, the fans are idiots. Texas hasn't been worth a crap. And looking like decade. a true Auburn fan. <laughs> Our fans are idiots too. It's fine. <laughs> Especially our boosters. Dang. <laughs> I've but, never seen a program's fans so at odds with their own boosters the way Auburn fans are. But I love mm-hmm. it. Um, okay. I love Texas. Um, I've got them winning the Big 12, though I think it's really close. All right, let's get into some of the one more year, but I think you're right. They're going to be an excellent team and much improved. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to kind of the middle of the pack. Let's talk about Kansas State. Ben, I've got one big reserve, and I swear we talk about it every year. 
Adrian Martinez is not a good quarterback. Why does he keep getting good starting quarterback jobs? I do not understand. I didn't understand why Nebraska kept him there. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, is Colin Klein, he wants to go spread as well. Adrian Martinez wasn't there for spring ball. So Adrian Martinez is coming from a pro-style system at Nebraska, which, by the way, converted to an RPO system. Now he's going to go into a spread system, and he didn't play in the spring, so he's only going to have fall practice. So I think first half of the year, and that's, by the way, when they get their tough games, I think the offense is going to be really, really weak and questionable. I do love um, Deuce Vaughn, running back. He's amazing. Front seven on this team is really, really good. But the secondary is a weakness. They lack depth. They're going to struggle, I think, versus teams like Oklahoma State. I think they'll struggle versus a Baylor team that's going to be a little bit more pass-heavy than normal. Um, so those are the question marks. Ben, I'll look at the schedule. I'm mm-hmm. Texas Tech is a toss-up. Oklahoma is a loss. Iowa State's a toss-up. I think Oklahoma State is a loss. Texas, I marked as a toss-up, as we mentioned. Baylor is a loss. West Virginia is a toss-up. And I marked Kansas at the end of the year as a toss-up as well because I think Kansas could be looking for a really big win. I think Kansas State could be falling apart, trying to fight for a bowl game, thinking we've got the bowl game secured, and Kansas jumps up and surprises them on the road. So I think it's a good Kansas State team because I I really like Chris Kleiman, but this team is not without some legitimate questions. (laughs) I think this is a mediocre Kansas State team at best. And I think that game against Kansas is going to be the deciding factor of if they go bowling or not. At that point, Kansas won't give a crap because they'll have lost majority of their games. I would argue so, the complete opposite. If you were Kansas, you were thinking this is our last game of the year. It's against our in-state rival, and we could keep them from going to a bowl game with a win. I, hmm. I think you'd get Kansas. and I mean, what is Kansas's best effort? Okay, insert joke here, but I think you could get their best effort. And this is a team that beat Texas last year and returns most of their players. Yeah, they returned 14 players, one of the most returning uh, in the Big 12. Um, But look, Adrian Martinez throws more picks than he does touchdowns. And in a more defensive stated Big 12, that just is not going to win a lot of games. in fact, I only Tennessee have four. Tennessee bring in Adrian Martinez to throw mustard bottles or golf balls. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because Tennessee's in the SEC, and this is a middle of the pack towards the bottom Big 12 team. Only definite wins for Kansas State this year are South Dakota, Tulane, Texas Tech, which you had as a toss-up, and Kansas. That's four games. I, I have them. Missouri. I have them a toss up at Missouri. Missouri's not terrible. Missouri has better talent. Uh, I've got them as a toss up against TCU. They have to go to TCU, and I have both of these teams right next to each other in the rankings of the Big 12. Then I have um, losses against Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor. And West Virginia. I mean, it's going to be tough for them to get to a bowl game. The the end of that schedule is absolutely brutal. I mean, even you think West Virginia, okay, we get to relax a little bit. Not really because it's on the road. And I think West Virginia, 
it's going to West Virginia is going to be absolutely miserable for teams, even really good teams. Yeah. Get ready to get melted by batteries. Yeah. Well, that's listen, West Virginia throw a lot of things at you. That's for sure. <laughs> um, it, I actually marked the game at TCU as a win. TCU's coming off Oklahoma State that day. Kansas State is coming off of a bye week. So I, I mm. love smart coaches coming off of a bye week, and I don't like first-year coaches coming off of a tough game. And if TCU pulls off the win against Oklahoma State, I like them even less because there's going to be all this TCU love, which, again, although I like Sonny Dykes, I don't think it will be deserved. I think they just pulled off an upset, and I think Kansas State would go into TCU and absolutely smack the crap out of them. So I, I actually think that's a win, Ben, but I'm, I'm with you on the rest of those games for sure. Um, all right, let's go over to Iowa State. Now, this team's really, really interesting. It's not just that they lost players. It's that they lost Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, and Charlie Kolar. And I feel like, Ben, for the past three years, Iowa State's kind of been like this lovable Big 12 dark horse team. Everybody talks about last year I made one of the dumbest picks ever and said they they could make the college football playoff. Like two weeks in, we realized that wasn't going to happen at all, and they ended up only winning seven games. But those three players are the reason this team had any expectations for the past several years. Yep. And so now with them gone, I think there's some major question marks with this roster. And Iowa State's not a reload team. It is a rebuild team. They bring back all the coaching staff. I think that's really, really cool. They'll win some games. I think they're a potential bowl team. But Ben, only eight returning starters total. And the three key players to their success recently, all gone. Yep, completely agree. Uh, Matt Campbell's a good coach. He's been there for seven years, so his recruits are fully in the staff. Uh, you're right. It's not a reload. It's a rebuild, but hopefully the development side of that will come in here. And then when it comes to the schedule of Iowa State, I have them at a solid 6-6 six and six record. It's the only one where I don't have any toss-ups. I'm just like, yeah, they, they win this game and they lose this game. So uh, they, they win six, they lose six, they go to a bowl game, they lick their wounds, they get ready for the next year. So, yeah, I've I've got them going seven and five. By the way, six and six would not shock me. Um, now their schedule, I marked at Iowa as a toss up. That's more about Iowa than it is Iowa State. Yep. Um, I marked at Kansas as a toss up, which I know Ben has as a win. Um, <laughs> but listen, I think Kansas. The timing of that game, they've got so before then they're going to play Tennessee Tech at West Virginia at Houston. And then they're going to get Duke at home. Ben, they could be potentially three and one or two and two because they're going to beat Tennessee Tech. And I think they're going to beat Duke. I feel pretty confident about that. So to get Iowa State at home, and Iowa State's going to be playing them at, or they're going to go to Kansas, right? But it's coming off of Iowa, Ohio, and Baylor. So two big games. They also can't sleep on Ohio. That's a good MAC team. I think that's a tough one for Iowa State. Um, I also marked Kansas State as a toss-up. Oklahoma, I marked that one as a toss-up as well. It's on a Thursday night. I think it's an interesting game. And then I marked Oklahoma State as a loss, and I marked Baylor um, in Texas both as losses. They're, I think, Ben, they can win some games for sure because I like Matt Campbell a lot. He gives you mm -hmm. a coaching advantage, but you just can't discredit how big of a deal 
Charlie Kolar, um, Brock Purley, and Brees Hall were for this team. And to lose those guys, absolutely brutal. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think 6-6, six and six, best case scenario, there's a potential to go less than that. Yeah. All right, let's go on to TCU. I know Ben is just really looking forward to talking about the Horned Frogs. <laughs> um, Sonny Dykes in as a new head coach. They bring back 18 returning starters. It's like I always say when you have an average team that returns a bunch of starters, who really cares? Um, if you return a bunch of crappy players, does it really matter at the end of the day? Um, I think the biggest question with this team, Ben, is they've got a quarterback battle in a conference that we pretty much know who the quarterbacks are going to be at most of these programs, and they're all pretty darn good, right? Yep. So that's a big weakness going into the year. But Quentin Johnson, an absolutely incredible receiver, so they've got some really dynamic players on the outside. They'll score some points, but I think they got to figure out the quarterback position quick, and they don't really have – I mean, they've got Colorado. That's a tough one. And then Tarleton State, and then they've got a bye week. So they don't really have a tough game early on, right? And they get that bye week thrown in. So I think it gives them some options to kind of figure that out a little bit. But, I mean, the end of the schedule, it's just brutal. At West Virginia, Texas Tech at home, at Texas, at Baylor, Iowa State at home. That's where I think TCU's going to – their season's going to get really ugly as towards the end of the year. Oh, yeah, those last seven games, I've got six losses. <laughs> Last seven, you've got six losses. I think I'm right there with you. Um, I've yep. got five. I marked Oklahoma State game as a toss-up, so that's where we're a little different. Okay. Yeah, I've got uh, – look, at Colorado, I've even got as a toss-up. Colorado's not a terrible team out of the Pac-12. And then you've got wins against Tarleton State. I have no idea who they are. They're and, out of Texas. At, okay. So Tarleton State and at SMU, two Texas teams. Then they get crushed by Oklahoma. They beat Kansas. And then they don't have another win until Texas Tech season over. So Sonny Dykes has four wins under his belt his first year. Well, see, okay, we don't completely disagree on TCU. I have them going (laughs) four and eight. We're right there. I just Um, don't see them beating Oklahoma State, but that's fine. Well, well, we'll have to agree to disagree there. I did mark SMU. So I, I marked Southern Methodist as a toss-up because it's at SMU, and SMU is not a bad team whatsoever. So that I marked as a toss-up. Colorado actually marked as a loss. Um, Tarleton State's a win. Kansas I marked as a win. I love the timing of getting Kansas there. And I think they could beat Oklahoma State or SMU. And then Westford, uh, Texas Tech, rather, I think is a win. All is right. SMU Big 12 bound? No, Houston is. I, SMU might be as well. I'm not 100% sure. It would make sense for them to, to be Big 12 bound. You should look that up. Um, all right, let's go to West Virginia. They used to be like, what was it, like the Big 8 or whatever? Before. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be in that. Um, all right, let's go to West Virginia. Uh, so, Ben, JT Daniels transfers in here from Georgia. Mm-hmm. I Huge. think, yeah. No, I, I, and I think Kirby Smart did not use JT Daniels what, right or really nope. give him the right opportunity. And again, Kirby Smart made a good decision for his team. So, I mean, like they won the national championship. It's not like we're going to sit here and criticize the guy. But when you talk about and you think about can JT Daniels succeed at West Virginia, 
I think he absolutely can. I think Neil Brown's a really, really underrated coach, has done a really good job with, with West Virginia. This was a program that had lost a ton of players, had lost a ton of momentum when he came in. They're finally starting to get their footing. Um, and they've got a workable schedule early on. Um, lots of depth at running back. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon, by the way, transfers from Clemson. So I think the running back, uh, the running game here for West Virginia could be like a running by committee approach. Um, I love the offensive line. I think that's going to be great. So if you've got a running by committee approach with a good offensive line and JT Daniels only has to throw like 20 to 25 times a game, I mean, JT Daniels 20 to 25 times a game can give you some special throws. Like he's not a bad quarterback by any means. Um, now the defense, I think it's going to be a little bit, um, a little bit more iffy, but the other part here too is Graham Harrell. He comes in as the offensive coordinator. He was the former uh, quarterback at Texas tech a long time ago. Um, he played in the NFL a little bit um, and they're bringing back seven offensive starters. So West Virginia, I look at them, Ben, they're going to be the team that wins games just because they can score so many points. They're going to lose some games because the defense isn't very good, but this offense is up there with, I mean, it's going to be just as good as Oklahoma state. It's going to be just as good as Texas. It's a really, really special offense. Yep. Completely agree there. I think the additions of Graham Harrell, who had a fighting team at USC and was really the only reason that they were in contention of any games uh, very fun offense to watch, uh, as well as JT Daniels, who, granted, was at USC. So there's a connection there already. And then... Oh, no, right, this is 2019. They were both there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a so great there's, there's already a connection there between your, your quarterback, who is excellent. He didn't have a chance to play last year, but he is excellent. Granted, yeah. he sat behind a walk-on. Uh, but, you know, Stetson Bennett was the better story for that team and had the, the Georgia roots, and he was able to throw the ball where he needed to, and that was fine. JT Daniels now comes in with an offensive coordinator he knows in a program that is ready to fight, that has 11 returning starters, some serious running backs and wide receivers. It's going to be a much improved West Virginia team uh, I have them going seven and five, worst case scenario. I only have one loss, and that is November 12th against Oklahoma. The Texas game, I think, is a toss up. Baylor, where they're both fighting on a Thursday after a bye week, is a toss up. And to end the season at Oklahoma State, I've got it as a toss up. So, West Virginia, I think, is going to be much improved. They have a really solid roster coming together and the additions that they've made over the off season are going to pay dividends this year. Oh. Well, let me just say, when I look at the schedule, I think you could pick out any game and if West Virginia pulled off an upset, I would not be shocked, but yep. I do think the schedule is really, really tough because every single road game is a tough road game or a rivalry. So like at Pitt, I marked as a toss toss up. I just think that one's really, really tough to start off the year going to Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh, and it's on a Thursday night. I think West Virginia should win because Pitt's got to replace so many players, but that's an established head coach versus a team that's hopefully just getting their footing together. Then Kansas right after that, 
again, it's sandwiched in a really different spot. It's at home. West Virginia should win. Ben does not like this at all. But I think Kansas. <laughs> the rainbows, you're pumping up Kansas. I just don't understand. At Virginia Tech, I marked as a toss up as well. Rivalry game Thursday night. Lane Stadium is going to be kicking. It's early in the year, so they're not bad yet. They don't know it. Fans will still show up for that game. That's a tough spot for West Virginia. I marked at Texas as a loss. Baylor at home is a toss-up, though. I think they can knock off Baylor, getting them at home. At Texas Tech is a toss-up. Kansas State at home is a toss-up. And I did mark at Iowa State a loss, Oklahoma at home a loss, and at Oklahoma State, I marked those. I marked that as a loss as well. So tough, tough schedule. It starts tough. It ends tough. The middle's where it's a little bit easier. The bye week, I don't think it does them really any favors. Um, but it's a really, really good team. I think at the end of the year, we're going to be like, well, they had the same record, but just because you have the same record doesn't mean you're a better team. I think fans make the mistake of think, thinking, well, six and six, you know, your record is your record. And it's like, well, no, they could, West Virginia could be six and six, but be a much better six and six team than last year. And I mean, Ben's got them seven and five. So I think they win six games. I think it's a really fun team. This is going to be a team where if there's not a big game on, throw on West Virginia because the game is going to be a blast. Yep. I think they will overperform. Got them at number five in the Big 12, so expect them to be right up there with the big boys. Yep. All right, let's talk about a team that I think is going to be absolutely terrible, Texas Tech. (laughs) I I mean, Ben, I I know you've been joking on me about Kansas. I think Texas Tech is worse than Kansas, but even if you want to argue that they're better, I don't think they're better by much. Yeah, uh, that Texas Tech-Kansas game is going to be fun. Um, you're right, as I'm looking through this, I mean, I've even got them as a toss-up of Houston. I guarantee you there's nobody else doing college football podcasts that will say Texas Tech and Kansas will be fun. <laughs> It'll be the deciding factor of who's the worst team in the Big 12. That That is true. So, yeah, I've got – that's – you're right. This is interesting because with Kansas, I've got a definite win against Tennessee Tech. I I don't – I guess Murray State is my definite win. There we go. There we go. Everyone else is a toss-up. So Or a loss, yeah. yeah. Let's get on this. Yeah. No, they're – I mean, I think Texas Tech is really bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Tyler, Tyler Show. Tyler Show. Yeah. Oregon boy. I, I like – him at Oregon, but let's not forget he's a three-star recruit. So this is not like they're getting – it's not like Justin Herbert transferred into Texas Tech. Like, let's yeah. not make that mistake. Like, it's a below-average quarterback, average-at-best quarterback that transferred into Texas Tech. And now, I do think Show offense... transferred because Bo Nix took his spot. Bo okay. Nix. <laughs> Listen, Bo, we'll talk about this when we do the Pac-12. Bo Nix, I think, is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country this year. Um, sure. Offensive line is a strength. Defense is a major concern. And like I said earlier, I have absolutely no idea what in the heck they're doing at head coach. Like, I, I don't get it. It makes no sense. I'm not with it. Matt Wells was 5-3. and three. If you're 5-3 and three at Texas Tech, that's expectations. Like, what else should you be at Texas Tech? You're not Oklahoma. Five and three is fine. <laughs> you lost by a point to a really well-coached Kansas State 
Kansas State team. Why would you fire your coach after that? It makes no sense. And then they bring in Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire was a linebacking linebacker coach at Baylor. So it's like you like I would understand if you're gonna fire Matt Wells because you're gonna promote somebody from within, or if you're gonna fire Matt Wells because you've got access to like Cliff Kingsbury's coming back. And it's like, okay, fire Matt Wells. But the idea that you're going to fire Matt Wells and then go and hire a position coach from Baylor, like, I don't get that at all. So this is why I've got Texas Tech as the worst team in the Big 12. The only guaranteed win is Murray State. And quite frankly, if you watch FCS football, I don't know that that's a guaranteed W. And then the the Kansas game at the end of the year, Red Raider fans better be saying, thank God we get Kansas at home because that would be a guaranteed L if it were in Kansas. Um, I marked it as a toss up and that is where the worst of this conference will be played is going to be in that game. So let's talk about Kansas. All right. Ben, I think thinks I'm about ready to love with Kansas. I've got a, I've got one more little hot take here before we jump on to the Jayhawks. So, uh, Texas tech has not had a good head coach since, or at least not a head coach over 500 since Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville was their head coach back in 2010. That is a beautiful statistic. <laughs> Every other amazing. coach has underperformed. They've all been under 500. So I wouldn't say they've underperformed. I'd say they've performed exactly like they should at Texas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go on to Jayhawks. That's a, a, beautiful a basketball team game. that is bad at football. Bad at football, but they're going to beat Tennessee Tech. Mm-hmm. Duke is a toss-up, and if they beat Duke, yes. I would be like not surprised at all. Um, I think getting Iowa State at home is also a toss-up because if they're like three and two or two and two going into that game, Iowa State at home is a toss-up. Now they're gonna get TCU at home as well. Ben, I marked that as a guaranteed loss. I don't like it when a team gets three straight home games like that. I think on the third straight home game. Your fans aren't showing up. They're not as excited. Um, the home foot advantage is not as big of a deal. So I think TCU is going to go in there and win. The other toss-ups at Texas Tech and at Kansas State, it's not that I like Kansas by any means. Um, the quarterback position is going to be much better. And we don't know if it's Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, so they got to figure it out. But it will be improved. In defensive end, Lonnie Phillips, he transfers from Miami of Ohio he had nine and a half sna- uh, sacks last year. Um, almost said snacks. He probably had that too. Um, and then Kenny <laughs> Logan, um, he's the safety. He's like first team, all Big 12 potential, like really, really good safety. So they've got some playmakers here. It's not completely awful. Also, I think we got to give Lance Leopold some credit here. He took over this team last year. This team was in shambles, not just because it was Kansas but because Les Miles put this team in shambles and then Lance, Lance Leopold comes in first year coming off of COVID year, coming off of what Les Miles did two and 10 and upset Texas. Yep. That's got to go for something. Yeah. And they, they stepped it up in their biggest games. They had Oklahoma on the ropes for a minute. Uh, they did. So granted they are returning you know, 17 players from a team that beat Texas and had Oklahoma on the ropes. But they're still only going to win two games, and that's if they can beat Duke. 
Well, and so here's the other thing, Ben. So they played at Texas. They won that by a point in overtime. It, like, look at these last three games. At Texas, won by a point. At TCU, they only lost by three. West Virginia at home, they only lost by six. Towards the end of the year, Kansas started figuring it out. They bring back 17 starters. So we're getting more of the team that started figuring it out towards the end of the year back. I don't think this team's going to be like a competitive potential bowl team, but I think three and nine is likely. I would not be shocked if they found found their way into four wins. I would not be shocked if they had one win to end the season. Well, that would not, I'm not going to say one win would shock me. It's Kansas. <laughs> so I have best case scenario for them two and 10 once again. All right. There's your Big 12 preview. We did an hour 15 tonight. It's a lot better. We're working on it, guys. I, I'm not super picky about the time, but two hours. Too long. To well, talk about get, one conference. I mean, super conferences are coming, and we only cover the ACC. So when we have to cover. I don't know what the heck we're going to do with a super conference. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be we, like four episodes to break down the Big Ten. <laughs> So we, we need to do the Heisman, Heisman candidate. Oh, yeah. All right. I forgot about that. Okay. I got so, him. I got him if you want me to go. You go. All right. So my number one Heisman candidate out of the Big 12 West is someone that you are going to love. No, it's not. He's not even on the list. Uh, I think he's going to be excellent. I don't have him on the list. The 7-5 team, 5 in the Big 12. Bijan Robinson. The yes. best running back in the Big 12 is going to explode. I have him as the top. And then runner-up would be Spencer Sanders. I am – I have exactly that, actually. <laughs> um, no, I was about ready to say – well, I mean, mine will probably be reversed because when you said Heisman, my first thought was Spencer Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then, like, B. John Robinson, I mentioned him earlier, the transfer from Alabama – that kid, I think, is going to be absolutely. He was incredible, incredible last year. Yeah. Well, and if you think about the good run defenses in the, in the Big Twelve, Baylor had one of them. Baylor loses a lot of players out of their linebacking core. Yep. Oklahoma had another one. They lose a lot of their players off their defensive line. So it's like the run defenses in the Big Twelve are going to be weaker. He's running behind a really good offensive line. Quinn Ewers, I think, is going to be great, but he's a freshman. He's still a redshirt freshman. So he's going to have to hand the ball off a lot to Robinson too. So I think there's going to be a bunch of like 100 to 150 yard games. And if Texas, the thing is, is if Texas is back, if they're like a 10 win team, just because of the Texas logo, right? Everybody's going to want to, I mean, Heisman award is a popularity contest. Everybody's going to want to give him the award because he brought Texas back. Yeah, for real. And then Texas beat Oklahoma last year or do they lose that game? Let's see. They lost that game. I think they but lost that game. Texas went was a five-win team last year. They weren't good. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they they lost that game, but Bijan went off in that game. I remember watching him, and man, yeah. he's he's going to be awesome this year. Yeah. All right. There's your Big Twelve preview. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week. What are we doing next week, Ben? Big Ten. Uh, Pac twelve. Pack 12 no, next we're, week. we're getting all the cream puffs out of the way. We're going to save the big boys for that closer to the season. The first? Yeah, the cream puffs. Okay. All right. So we'll do Pack 12 <laughs> next week. That, that's going to be an absolute blast. 
All right. Oh, you yeah. guys have a great week. This is the fourth string podcast.